Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 49. One away from 50, guys. One away from 50. It's been a few days since we last spoke in uh our devastation after the Oregon loss but a lot a lot has happened over the last few days we got some juicy notes um as it pertains to the dogs but we're also going to talk a little bit of everything today we're going to talk some Seahawks going to talk some Sounders a little bit of Kraken mixed in there as well and finally uh you know it's right in the right in the heart of the offseason for for the Mariners as far as starting to make some moves. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of Mariners too, towards the end of the episode today. But before we get into any of that, obviously want to introduce the crew, Sam, how are you doing tonight, man? What are you sipping on? Well, I'm not doing that good. <laughs> My life goes as the Huskies go. And uh, uh-huh. right now we're in turmoil. So, I mean, I put my pants on backwards this morning. I don't know what's going on. How about them Huskies <laughs> basketball though? Oh, Oh, not even. Not even. See you soon, bro. Thanks. It's early in the season. They could potentially get it together. They lost to fucking Northern Illinois, dude. Northern Illinois was worse than they were last year, and they were really bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we can't shoot, so there's that. But anyways, I'm hanging in there. I've got a Rubens Czech-style Pilsner that Connor left behind. Oh, going, going beer tonight, huh? Yeah, well, I figured I gotta run and pick up my wife after this podcast, so I need to. She doesn't want you good, away. And, good and tanked on the drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to stay away from the whiskey. So uh, we don't we don't promote drinking and driving on this podcast. No, and that's not for that's not till later. So I figure I could have a beer now and we'll be good to go. Feels how about how about you, Justin? What are you sipping on? Oh, you know, I'm predictable. It's either water or a Lomgward Island lager. So we're going to the island today. You know, we can't just drink water after all the news that we've had this week. Um, I feel like we're going to have some good news on our 50th podcast, though. I don't think that we're going to have. I don't think if it's going to be like celebratory good news, but it'll be a fun podcast, like talking about. There'll be some good talking points. It's not a celebration given how the season's gone, obviously, but moving forward and the best for the program, it's probably the best news. It's the first step. It's the first step to getting back to where we, where we belong, I think. So what are you you sipping on? Oh, Jinx. Oh, I'm, I'm going simple rolling rock tonight, boys. It's, um, you know, tried and true. And And you you have like a lot of them. You had like 40 of them in the fridge when I was there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we're down to about half that now. Okay, great. But I mean, we probably made a dent on like we made a dent. Like, <laughs> yeah, not, not really, but like we had I don't know, probably three or four at least. So yeah, you made it close with Stanford. Yeah, wait, that close. was the Stanford game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, when we, when we actually had some hope. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just dive right into it here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Sam, do you want to do you want to update our listeners on kind of what's gone over on over the last couple of days on Montlake? Yeah, yeah, I will. So basically, what's officially occurred so far is offensive coordinator John Donovan has been fired. Finally, we've been clamoring for that since honestly, probably the Montana game, but really the bye week was like 
when we all thought he would have and should have been fired. And I think that's proven to be a pretty major mistake on Jimmy Lake's behalf. So he's fired and junior Adams, our wide receivers coach who has called plays before, albeit at Western Kentucky. And I don't think that they performed that well steps in as your interim offensive coordinator. Then your head coach, Jimmy slap to the face Lake is uh, he's been suspended for one game. And there's a lot behind that. Obviously we talked about it on our post game reaction with the sideline altercation with Rocky Rupert, Rupert Rocky Fuavai and Jimmy Lake pretty much punched him in the face mask and then pushed him in the back twice while he was going to the sideline. Not a great look for the university on top of the comments he made leading up to the game that kind of put the university in a bad light and really, you know, cut through the crap. It really comes down to his performance this year's and really since he's taken over has not been up to standards, particularly when you take into consideration that Chris Peterson pretty much handed him cupboards full of blue chip talent roster and we're underperforming. So he's been suspended for one game, but if you follow Husky football at all, all the media outlets are speculating that Jimmy Lake has coached his last game in the purple and gold and is on his way out and that the suspension is basically part of bigger negotiations behind the scenes to negotiate a parting, a mutual parting of ways between the University of Washington Athletic Department and Jimmy Lake, negotiating the buyout clause and buyout payment to Jimmy Lake instead of paying him his full dues, probably negotiating for something around half as much. So with him no longer coaching, at least for this game and likely for the rest of the season, Defensive coordinator Bob Gregory has been elevated to your interim head coach. And so that's talk where about, we stand. Talk about failing up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Bob, Bob Gregory's <laughs> backed his way to a head coaching position. How does he do that? Yeah. I want that. I don't know. I would take it too. But that's where we're at now, obviously. So we have Arizona State at Husky Stadium this Saturday at 4 p.m. That will be on FS1. I'm actually really excited for the game just because it's going to be interesting to see how this, like, piecemeal coaching staff puts together a game plan. But really what's exciting to me and is the other thing in all of this is does Bob Gregory and offensive coordinator Junior Adams make a change at quarterback? It's like we've seen the offensive coordinator change. Obviously, the head coach shenanigans is something to talk about, but also is like, what does this offense look like with Junior Adams? So that's kind of the lay of the land. I'll open that up for just general thoughts and comments. Justin, where, where's your head at? I mean, you know where my head's at. For me, I've been ready for some Sam Heward time, baby. I want to see it. I mean, we got to know us. We have to get some momentum around this program, right? We have to keep the players that we have first and foremost, uh, first and foremost, right? Like these players in the transfer portal, there's rumors that all sorts of players are going to be entering this transfer portal. We need to show them signs of life in this program and that we're headed in the right direction and we have hope. And 
one of the best ways to do that is to play our young, promising five-star quarterback that, you know, can actually make a throw. I mean, maybe you can't do worse than Dylan Morris. I'll put it that way. So might as well give someone else a shot. And so I would love to see the reins handed over to Sam Heward, open up the playbook, get our wide receivers involved. Junior Adams should know all about the wide receiver unhappiness. So we, we should make sure we get them the ball in space with the, you know, attacking the Arizona state because, you know, they won't have a lot of film to prepare Sam Heward on if we throw him out there and regarding the red shirt, I don't think we need to care about that at that point. I think it should all be about what's best for this program, our recruiting pool, um, not yeah. only our new recruits, transfer portal, that's a new element. How are we going to get people to transfer to UW? And then how are we going to keep people and the players that we have currently? And I think the best way to do that is to show promising and end the season, end the season strong like we did uh, the year before we went to the college football playoff when we were four and six and ended it with that three-game run. And so yeah. – why not do it again with these last three or four games if we make a bowl? So that's where my head's at. Connor? Yeah, I mean, I mostly agree, I think, with pretty much all the sentiments that you just touched on. Um, the one thing I'll just add is it just makes it really, really frustrating how we handle that Arizona game. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, if you have you have three games left, obviously, he played the Arkansas State game. You can live with that one uh, mm -hmm. because we were way up. Um, but you could still be preserving his red shirt at this point if if he hadn't played that one one series that ended up being meaningless and anyone could have anyone could have played played that series you could have had Camden Sermon and been been completely fine on that drive because he went nowhere on that drive yeah because um, he just ran the ball um and and that's the series that's ultimately could be costing uh Sam Heward a and a year of eligibility with the program so it's a little bit of a bummer right there. It's it's a bittersweet bummer though. I mean, I'm I'm definitely ready to turn the page. I think we all are. Um, and the rumor is, and that's from this is from multiple outlets that Sam Heward is splitting first team snaps with Dylan Morris this week at practice. So that would lead you to believe that he is going to play against Arizona State. Um, I think honestly, the worst thing that they could do though is split reps. I think if you're turning the page, you're turning the page. And if Sam really struggles out of the gate or something and like is not doing anything by halftime, maybe you give Dylan a series just to see if he can get the offense going in the second half. But if you're turning the page, like Sam should be your starting quarterback on Saturday. I don't think there's any easing him into it. Um, I think, I think you just got to peel the bandaid off and let him roll like you said, just get some momentum towards the end of this year. Cause that's really all we're playing for at this point. I mean, you're playing for apple cup, but you're really just playing for some momentum going into 2022. Mm -hmm. We already, we already alluded to that. There's going to be a bunch of changes to this coaching staff, um, including the head coach apparently. So it's going to be a completely different regime. And the one thing that can keep this whole glue together with the current talent pool that's on this team is Sam Heward. And so you need to, you need to show faith, in your in your future quarterback and let him develop and show some growth and mature maturity and leadership qualities too that a lot of these players can rally around and if if those players see signs of hope then you do have a good team going into 22 because we've all said it there's a ton of talent on this team right now and the only way to avoid mass ex exodus is to have some kind of 
hope going into 2022. So we need to avoid that as much as possible. No matter what, there's going to be transfer. There's going to be attrition. Like we already know that. It's just the way that college football is, and especially if you're changing coaches, that's just going to be the the reality of the situation. But if you want to keep it to a minimum and keep talent in this program, Sam Heward needs to be your number one priority going forward and playing him specifically. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's tempting to think about too, like, you know, with splitting reps, maybe you start with Dylan Morris and see how that's going. I mean, cause here's how really we've already done that. <laughs> no, but just hear me out. Like here's okay. where my head's at is at this point with all the coaching staff turmoil, do we really think that we have a chance to beat Arizona state? I mean, I think you always have a chance in the PAC 12, especially with the talent that we have, but if we lose to Arizona state, we're not going to make a bowl game. Right. Or would we still, no, I guess we can I mean, still, we get still can six. if you beat Colorado and Wazoo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So never mind. I was going to say, if you lose to Arizona state, then you only have two games left. Like use those as Sam Heward's games, but I don't know. It's just, it shouldn't have come down to this point in Sam no. Heward's year where to Connor's point about Arizona. And it's just, it's another example of Jimmy Lake's mishandling of the team this year. I will say the other thing, just to kind of add a little context on what I think realistic expectations are for the game against Arizona state and just for the rest of the season while it could be tempting to see, oh, yeah, you know, Junior Adams is interim offensive coordinator. It's a change. Like, we should expect to see something more exciting or something different. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think one of the main takeaways you can have at this point in the season is you, you're not going to be able to really make any dramatic changes to the, the playbook you have installed. And so the really only differences you're going to see at this point are personnel decisions, which we've talked about most namely at the quarterback spot but also play calling and to Justin to your point Junior Adams being the wide receivers coach he knows what he's got in that room I think we all know that's the most talented position on the offense right now and so I would expect to see a more pass heavy offense regardless who the quarterback is which I mean gonna kind of have to ride or die with that depending on who's at who's at the quarterback position. So it'll be interesting. I think defensively we'll still have a good game plan. And I think our defense for, for the large part is pretty good. I think you see a lot of the run game struggles come late in the you know, second half of games where we're down and there's obviously holes there, but it'll be interesting. And I guess, I don't really know if there's a ton more to talk about at this point. I know we, we can kind of like tease the 50th episode a little bit more. I think our next week we'll be able to talk about what we saw against Arizona state. We should have some more clarity on the Jimmy Lake head coach position. And we could probably start to dive into some early names to watch as the head coach replacement. But I think at this point, it definitely seems like the direction the program is headed is to a clean slate just I think probably getting away from the Chris Peterson tree, pulling new people in, I think is the direction it's heading right now. Um, but I think we all probably have a lot of additional research to do. And I think for the next episode that we do, 
it'd be really fun to kind of come to the table with our own lists and kind of go back and forth sure. on who we like and, and for what, but um, yeah, trying times on Montlake. That's for sure. So yeah. While, yeah. while I agree that, you know, the play, the playbook won't change and, you know, largely you'll have the same plays. Maybe you can institute some more motions and that sort of thing, but largely the same play calling. Yeah. I don't think uh, junior Adams will be punting on fourth down in your own territory. No, so there will be some of that Probably going not. on too. No, and We're I running think up like, middle, running up the middle with Sean McGrew on a fourth and one. Maybe. Yeah, and I think actually that brings up a, a thought that I've had after our initial emotional reaction to that decision to punt on fourth and ten at the end of the game, down by eight. That's Jimmy's ego more than anything. And the, the more that I've thought about it, the more that I've seen other people talk about it. I think Jimmy Lake punted that ball away because he wanted the score to reflect a one score loss, not double score loss. So if we turn the ball over there, Oregon likely scores a touchdown. We punt it away. Maybe we keep it a one score game. And then I think even more than that is I think the Huskies have like the longest active streak of holding opponents under 35 points. And so I think that's something that Jimmy Lake is very thoughtful and prideful about, but it's just like, again, another example of, you know, read into that what you will, but I think there is some truth to that. Again, just making a decision for ulterior motives outside of trying to win the damn game. And so like the, the longer I've gotten away from that, the more pissed I've gotten. <laughs> yeah. It's a really bad decision. I was obviously going off on it on, our you know our podcast last yeah. time so i don't need to rehash that but not pretty good. awful is there anything else huskies we want to talk about or save it for another day do you have no prediction for saturday no i mean yeah I, we I, could do that all i was gonna say is that just like jen cohen's got her hands full right now she's got yeah, a couple yeah, of uh really really tough situations when it comes to football and men's basketball um, and both coaches she hired. And, you know, the one thing about Jimmy Lake is there was no national search for a coach because he was just the natural predecessor to, or successor rather to Chris Peterson and Chris Peterson basically hand selected Jimmy Lake, um, for Jen. But, um, and I think all of us would agree that that was a home run hire at that time, or like the, the, at least the, the logical hire at that time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Never had a, you know, have, we haven't had a, a national search like this since Peterson came, came, came into, came into Montlake. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of names there are if, if, um, if Jimmy is indeed fired or resigns or whatever, whatever comes next week. So it'll just yeah. be interesting. Um, yeah. Did you want to do score predictions or do you want to just... I mean, I, I haven't really thought too hard about the actual game, to be honest. I mean, I don't yeah. see us winning. I'll be surprised yeah. if we do. I think Arizona State, they obviously have their own, like, coaching staff turmoil that they've been going through with their recruiting violations in the offseason. But I just think that team is – Arizona State's a very talented team. They have talent all over the field. And this has been such a huge distraction. It'll continue to be – that it's, I just have a hard time seeing us win. 
30-23 UW. You think UW will win? You think we're going to score 30 points? Justin's been like bang on pretty much all year. Yeah. I, mean, good I don't know. Does it motivate the players? Do they fall down? Do they rise up? Who knows? I, I have no analysis. Just 30-23 UW. All right. <laughs> That's like my type of analysis. I'll go 27-17 Arizona State. You know it's a bat. We're in a backwards world when you're predicting a UW loss and I'm predicting a UW win. Mm. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right. Connor, but... where are you at? Mm. 24-13 Arizona State. Wow, 13 points, huh? I mean, should I expect better from the offense? <laughs> like, it's goddamn Junior Adams and Sam Heward time, baby. That's right. Hopefully. Yeah. If Hopefully. Dylan Morris starts and plays this whole game, I'm going to switch it to 23-7. Yeah. Okay, what are your odds that Sam Heward takes the opening snap for the Huskies? I think if he's playing, he should be starting. Uh, I don't. I would. I mean, it's garnered. I think seventy-five percent that he will. Mm-hmm. So you'll be surprised if he's not the starting quarterback. Yes, Connor. I'm probably not quite there. I'm probably like sixty percent. Yeah, I'm even. I'm even less. I think it's like fifty-fifty. Yeah. No, I mean that's those are that's the rep share apparently this yeah. week. So. Yeah, I mean, they, the most realistic likely, and me, this is me getting off my fun hat, back to sat, like sad old Justin, is Dylan Morris will start the game, he'll suck, and they'll bring in Sam Heward. That's that's really likely, but yeah, I don't want it. Anyways. It's too predictable, though. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I just don't know what else they... What else do we need to see from Dylan yeah, I don't know what else they need to see from him, but... Yeah, nothing. We'll see. Anyways, go Huskies. Yep. <laughs> we'll see if they can uh, put together a, a game on, on Saturday. And, you know, I mean, we're all dog fans. We bleed purple and gold. We're going to still watch the games and everything like that. And, oh, like, yeah. there's still, there's still, I mean, especially if Sam Eward is playing, like, there's a lot to still be excited about this year and look forward to on, on Saturdays. But, um, it's really tough being a Husky fan right now. It's really tough days being a Husky fan right now. So brighter days ahead, boys. Brighter days ahead. Hopefully. How about speaking the of brighter days, though. Yeah, yeah, speaking of brighter days. We were on the same wavelength there, Justin. I, I like it. We were. We were. I sorry if I interrupted you because you probably were you had a better um transition, I think, than I did. So <laughs> I, I lost it, but just going to say things are looking up for the other Seattle football team, even though they have a worse record than the Huskies somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The last, yeah. the last time that we spoke about the Seahawks was a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, most of us weren't feeling that great about the rest of the season and the outlook um, that was ahead of them. They were coming off of what, three straight losses, I think. Um, Going into that Jags game. Saints, Steelers, Rams. Yeah. yeah 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 the Niners yeah. were right before that so yeah I think mm-hmm. it was three straight yeah three straight losses and 
you know, the last couple of weeks have gone about as well as they could have, I think, for for the Seahawks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they they obviously put together a, their best game of the year, best performance of the year against the Jaguars at home, which, you know, Smith's still at quarterback. But I mean, just throttled the Jags in all facets of the game. The Jags are really bad that that week. But then yeah. they go and beat the the, the Bills. I know. Week. What the hell? So it's like, who's good in the NFL? On top of that, this last week was the bye week for the Seahawks. They didn't even play, but it was like about as good of a week that you could have for the Seahawks because every major opponent that they have in the NFC playoff picture lost. Justin, do you have any of those results in front of you? Uh, I don't have the results, but I can tell you the teams that lost. So I yeah. mean, not only did the Rams lose at home to the Titans, actually got clobbered at home by the Titans. Uh, we're not catching the Rams, so I don't know why I'm bringing that up. But the Vikings lost. Uh, to Baltimore, mm-hmm. the Bears lost in pretty heartbreaking fashion. If you're that a Bears was bad <laughs> to, to the Steelers, uh, the Saints lost to the Falcons, and you know I guess you could say the Falcons won, but they beat the Saints, who were more ahead. The Panthers lost. Panthers are terrible, apparently, with Sam Darnold, and now he's injured out four to six weeks. Uh, the Giants lost. The Eagles lost. I mean, there, it's just a bunch of bad teams. Really? I mean, when you're looking at that seventh spot, so you assume the Saints will get in, but who knows? They have Trevor Simeon in its quarterback, and you know, I guess they'll have um, Hill come in, but who knows how good he will be. The Falcons don't scare you. The Vikings own the head-to-head, and you would think they're better because they've been in so many close games, but they keep losing, and they have a way tougher schedule than you the rest of the way. And so it's all open for the Seahawks for that seventh seed. But can they win their games in front of them? That's the big question. Yep. And I mean, obviously, they have a pretty tough draw, but we'll see <laughs> on Sunday against Green Bay in Lambeau. Green um, Bay's got a couple of things going on. Yeah, yeah, they do. yeah, for sure. And we can talk about that in a second. Let's let's start with the Seahawks stuff. And they, they're starting to get a little healthier. And most notably, their quarterback, Russell Wilson. Against all odds, which I guess we all predicted him to still be back. Like, he, yeah, we all I mean, it's Russell Wilson. But I mean, that was a really bad hand injury. <laughs> and like, on his throwing hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I talked to like someone that had a very, very similar injury on their finger. One of my friends did. And he's like, there's no way this guy's coming back in like three weeks. Um, Wrong. Somehow, somehow he is. You know, I mean, obviously, uh, nano bubbles and, um, it'll be really interesting to see if he's wearing a glove or not. He isn't, he hasn't been wearing a glove in practice. He's just got it taped. So yeah, I'm, it's really I bet it'll just be taped. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So, that's a side note, but having Russ back obviously, um, changes the outlook for not only this, this game, but the rest of the season, assuming he's actually healthy. Sam, where, what, like, what's your confidence level now after the last couple of weeks in the Seahawks possibly making a playoff run? I mean, on a, it has less to do with my confidence level in the Seahawks as a team right now and more around the grander landscape of the NFC for mm-hmm. what Justin Justin's rundown is. It's The door is wide open still. And so yep. I think, you know – Obviously, with Russell Wilson going out, we were going to have a tough sledding ahead of us. And to know that like other teams didn't totally take advantage of the opportunity and separate themselves from us, 
and Russ coming back, like it's, it's there for the taking. And so I think with, with Russ coming back is, is something to look forward to. But I mean, also just looking at the schedule ahead though, it's not an easy task. Like we still have to play the Cardinals twice who arguably are the best team in football right now. Um, got green Bay this weekend. If Aaron Rodgers plays, that's a tough draw. So I don't know. I'm not feeling overly confident, but it does feel like momentum is trending the right way. I think the other person that's working their way back, Chris Carson, would mm-hmm. be a big help. I think Alex Collins has ran the ball really well in his absence, but I think going all ad- advanced stats on behalf of Justin here, I do think Chris Carson is one of the best at, at outgaining the expected yards per play. And so at the snap plays that are designed or plays that are unfolding, that should be a one, two yard gain. He's turning into four, five, six, ten 10 yards pretty regularly. And I think just having someone like that in the backfield um, really opens up this offense, alleviates some pressure on DK and, and Tyler Lockett. So directly answering your question I don't really feel overly confident one way or the other. I think we have like, I feel kind of 50 50 on whether or not we'll secure a playoff spot. I don't know if you guys, either of you feel strongly one way or the other at this point. Uh, Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I mean, there's so many caveats to that. I mean, it's us and the Vikings and the Vikings have a tough schedule in front of them too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to imagine anyone coming out of the NFC East. The 49ers look bad. So I put it between us two. I mean, the Falcons, I still don't. I'm not bought in. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you'd have to put your money on the Seahawks and one of the best quarterbacks. But even with that being said, Screen Bay game is massive, right? You don't want to go to three and six. And then who's who's waiting for you after Green Bay is home against Arizona. Yeah. Right. So it's absolutely imperative. Like no question it's asked. You have to win at least one of those games to even like consider yourself a playoff contender. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. What I mean, what record do you think gets you that seven seed at this point? Do you think I mean, probably nine point, and eight? It could be nine and eight. Yeah, nine and eight probably season. gets it. So you need yeah. what six wins? Hmm. Yeah, so, so let's just go down to your last nine. Yeah. Yep. Let's go down the rest of the schedule. So you got at Green Bay. Yep. Tough. Arizona at home. At Washington. Winnable. That's a dub. San Francisco at home. Prime time. That's a win. At at Houston. That looks nice. At LA. Don't love that. <laughs> You hate, you hate playing the Rams. I get it. Like we've sucked against the Rams in recent years, but like every time we bring up the Rams, you're like, yeah, that's a loss. Uh, Chicago at home. Yeah, I mean, Justin chances. Fields is getting better, but you have to like that, right? Yeah. Russell Wilson in December too. Detroit at home. You like that? And then at Arizona. Uh, hopefully they have things locked up by then. Yeah, Arizona. that's what you have to hope up. That's what you have to hope for as a Seahawks. That- that if that's the case, that'd be your sixth win. I think you have five wins that you feel fairly comfortable with. Yep, Washington football get... team, 49ers, Texans, Bears, and Lions are all games that the Seahawks should win on paper. So then I think you have to get one 
out of the Green Bay game or the two Cardinals games. And the Rams game. Which, or the you know, Rams game. It's my yeah. least I, We're just going to lose to the Rams for sure. Yeah, great. Um, if you get two of those, then you're, what, 10 and 7? And I feel yeah, I, sure. I think then you're, you're, I think you're in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right though. Nine and eight probably does it. The the one thing that that you were saying that is if we're competing with Minnesota and it comes down to tiebreakers, that would suck. That we so we can't have them finish nine and eight. And so right. looking at the Vikings schedule really quick, uh, they go to the Chargers, mm-hmm. they host the Packers, mm-hmm. they go on the road to the 49ers, they go to the Lions, they host the Steelers. They go to the Bears. They host the Rams. They go to the Packers. Yeah. And they host the Bears again. So two divisional games with the Bears, two games with the Packers still left. Throw in the Chargers and the Steelers and the Rams. You don't love their schedule. Yeah. It's harder than the Seahawks schedule for sure. Yeah. It's at least a it's at least a wash. Like I it's 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 probably close. I, I think it's closer than you're suggesting. Just like I mean, they're playing the Bears twice, and we said that the Bears would. I mean, be yeah, you give them three. You give home. them three wins there. You could argue the 49ers and the Steelers that gets them to eight, but like that's what I feel like the those. Bears. I also feel like the Bears are going to be a tougher out for the Vikings just by nature of being divisional opponents. Sure, they know each other really well, and they've played a lot of tough games historically. Um, but yeah, the Packers games for sure will be tough. Rams. The Rams are going to be tough. Steelers so, have a really good pass rush. Yeah. It, it, It'll be I, interesting. It's gonna, I, I mean, it's, it's gonna come down in the last couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. And that's where I think to Justin's call out about the Cardinals is like you just want the Cardinals to keep on cruising. Because if so it comes down up. to that final week and it's the Bears versus the Vikings and us versus the Cardinals backups, that can play out nicely for the Hawks. It could. Definitely. We've done okay down in Arizona too. Yeah, uh, not not in sure. not in big games, but, you know. <laughs> but regular season games. You know, like the Super well Bowl and you know, that's stupid goal line stadium. and shit like that. Yeah, that's stupid stadium. <laughs> but there's um, hope for a three and five team, though. There is. Oh yeah. Right? We're not the only one, though. I mean, Vikings are right with us at three and five too. So, it, in all, the 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 NFC playoff picture, at least for the. The six and seven, but really the seven seed is just completely wide open. Basically, every team's still still kind of realistically in it at this point, um, which is just crazy. Um, let's talk a little bit about this Packers game before we move on. What do you expect to see out of Russ? Like, obviously, he's coming back. He's, you know, super ro- robot Russell Wilson. So he's got a bionic finger now, probably. And... Um, Nano bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love those nano bubbles. But I mean, we're like, what are you really expecting to see out of him? Like, I mean, he's he's obviously a, an amazing healer, but like, there's no way I feel like that he's like a hundred percent right now. So, are, I mean, do you think that there's going to be any limitations on on his game? I guess is a better question. Sam, no. you're shaking your head. No. No. You think you think he's good to go? He'll be the same Russell Wilson as always. Yeah. I think if you play the tape back after the game of this game in a pre-injury game and you had somebody watch it that's been frozen for the past three weeks 
and ask them like, does this person look like they have a jacked up finger? They'd be like, no, I don't think it's going to be noticeable at all. Besides like maybe the appearance of bandages or glove or whatever. Sure. But I think he's going to be full hundred percent go. Justin, are you in the same boat? Uh, mostly. I think that, you know, because it's a finger injury and not like a lower leg or anything, I mean, he's still going to have the escape ability and should be able to run just sure. fine. You know him and he spends millions on his body every year. He's in impeccable shape. So you're not worried about that. Uh, the only thing I would add is, you know, potentially when you see any player that's out, regardless of injury for three or four weeks is four weeks. Cause we had a buy, um, you could see some rust and some bad throws here and there, which is usually what you don't see from rust, but I would be surprised if you had that many of them. So you saw him I going was... through his pregame warmups. There's no rust. He's it's like <laughs> live game. Oh, I mean, live action boss. Isn't that yeah. what you say? Yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. Um, you know, if he was like normally say he's 22 of 26 for the, from throwing, like it would be 20. So it's like a very, I could see a very minor regression if, if at all. I'm just hoping he can grip the ball as, as well as he was able to before. Like, I just worry a little bit about velocity, I guess. Like, is he going to have the same zip on the ball? I mean, the doctor is going to be able to throw. Is he going to be able to throw it with that much confidence? And you know, Russell Wilson proves all haters wrong. He'll probably prove me ha- wrong as I'm hating on him right now. Top eight quarterback. Oh my! <laughs> oh my God. God! He's been a t- when he's played, he's been top three in the whole season. So this season, yeah. Easy. Oh yeah, dude. He's money. Easy. Not even close. He doesn't have like the ballooned stats of some other people. If you look at yeah. it, because he's missed games and whatnot. But he's been efficient epa cpoe name the stat every all the acronyms yeah all the well i'll tell you one stat that has not not been that great which isn't because i'm not saying it is is wins and losses so it's not a quarterback stat connor i'm not saying it is i said it wasn't hit i i led with that it's not his all his fault well they also lost three games without him Sure. two and a half i guess but i mean yeah, i'm saying yeah. they, they were struggling before that though too yeah but yeah yeah i mean we win one of those saints or steelers games with him probably for, win for sure i mean we we're in ot and yeah final drive we yeah. probably win both of those games with a healthy russell wilson sure it's not like Gino did that well in either of those. I mean, he did well against Jacksonville, but how Jacksonville was playing, I think Dylan Morris kind of might have. Oh no, 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 not even, not even close. Gino could, or Dylan Morris could not have thrown that ball that Gino threw to Tyler it's Lockett. It's true. That's true. Like, there's, there's no, no, no way that he could have thrown that. It'd be a bullet. <laughs> he could, he could try that a thousand times, and he wouldn't even get close. I mean, he tried that same throw into triple coverage, and uh, oh god, kind of the same throw. That's probably what he like. That that was probably his game tape. He's like, oh, I'm Gino. He's like, yeah, Gino did this. Zip. Without even looking that there was three white jerseys. Back to the Seahawks for a second. A player that you know we're talking about players returning from injury. A player I am a little worried about is Chris Carson. He's so injury prone. He had an injury to his neck. It's like a stinger kind of. I am worried about that one a little bit and his long-term health, especially with the Seahawks and what he looks like. So I doubt we're getting a full Chris Carson. Yeah. Um, I, I would expect oh, to yeah, see be on the running count. back. I would expect to see a lot of other running backs mixed in there. 
And same with D. Eskridge, who's also supposed to be back and is practicing this week. So, right. I mean, we've heard this story before, though, with him. So I'll honestly yeah. believe it when I see it as far right. as him actually suiting up for the game. But, God, we really need that third receiver. And that could honestly be a huge, a huge storyline is if he plays and Russ is playing and Chris Carson's play, like you feel like suddenly pretty good about that offense. So, um. We'll see what happens on the other side of the ball. I mean, do you expect Aaron Rodgers to play? I know, I know I do, but I don't yes. know how you guys feel. Yes, I do. I think he will, but I don't think that he should. Sure. I mean, I think, yeah, that's a separate conversation. Well, that's the whole think, thing. Yeah. 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 I would anticipate you guys want, that he's You guys playing. want to go into that at all? I know we're kind of running short on time, so I don't know uh, if we want to spend much time on it. No. I think the only thing I'll say about that is – regarding the game itself he cannot enter the facility or do anything with the team until saturday uh right Correct. so and the game is sunday so he hasn't had the chance to practice with his teammates of course he's probably getting the film and everything on his ipad at home or something like that so i'm not worried about that part but like him practicing going through with the receivers physical shape you know he was saying there's a couple health things with his heart on the pat mcafee show and etc so he hasn't really worked out that much so what shape would he be in for Sunday? Because I think he's going to play. I don't think – I'd be really surprised if it was Jordan Love out there. But what what kind of Aaron Rodgers are we getting? And are we getting a little out-of-shape Rodgers? So that that's something to watch, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the same way that we were talking about Russ, we could talk about Aaron Rodgers in the same way that, like – and even more so that he's just – I mean, he's – consistently been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for the past decade and a half. So, or past decade, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would expect that if he's playing, he's going to be the same old Aaron Rodgers. Um, obviously if like he has any lingering symptoms of COVID, it doesn't sound like he's that sick though. So I don't, I'm not really that. I'm I, I would, I would doubt that that would be a factor in his game. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just expecting to see Aaron Rodgers, and it'll be the same old Aaron Rodgers. And controversy aside, I think he'll be suited up. Yeah, I think so too. And then I guess the follow up question there, a similar question, is Odell Beckham Jr. suiting mm-hmm. up for either team this weekend? Negative. Yeah, I mean, if you're if if you're believing any of the reports, the latest reports, then the Seahawks are not really in it. Um, but the Packers are one of the teams that have been linked to him. I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's going to end up on the Chiefs. I just do. I don't know. Like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like the Chiefs have gotten every kind of signing like that recently. <laughs> that like is like waived by a team because of like some kind of controversy. And then they just kind of pick them up. They even got like Josh Gordon. So like, I'm, I'm expecting them to also land OBJ, but we'll see. I mean, and I guess at this point it's too late in the week, even if he did get picked up by the Hawks or Green Bay, he's probably not going to play. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think he's playing this week, no matter where he lands, but I mean, we should know probably by the time this podcast out, we might even know where he's going to sign. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Anything else Hawks, Hawks related that you guys want to touch on? 125 game on Sunday on CBS. 
I always like the Fox oh, broadcast better. Get the but Jim we got the Nance and Jim Nance and Tony Romo yeah. combo. I do, I do like Nance. Romo Romo's good, but like I feel like he's also he's a little bit overblown. I feel like everyone's like on Romo's nuts, yeah. especially like right after he became an analyst. And he's good. Like he's definitely good. And uh, for especially for having no background in it, like he had a natural feel for the booth and calling a play and being a color analyst. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't put him in like the conversation as like one of the top five guys for, for me, but that's just me. So I don't know. When do you think the last time the Seahawks won in green Bay is, Oh, I don't know. Early two thousands. I have no idea. 1999. Oh, I was almost right. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I, I feel like I've actually, yeah, I've actually seen that stat because they played, they played in Green Bay like only a like two or three years ago too, didn't they? They play the last time they played was the playoff game a couple. Of oh, the playoff ago. game, that's what it was. Yeah, um, and I think that they brought up that stat then too, which mm-hmm. obviously we lost that that game too. So, yeah, so twenty two years removed. It's uh, it's time. We're due. We're due. You guys have any score predictions for this game? The line is pretty close. The last time I looked, it was only minus three and a half or three for Green Bay. Well, it's all contingent on the Rodgers. Probably, probably you know, Vegas probably thinks he's playing. I would. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I would probably say, like, comfortably, they're probably a five-point favorite if if Rodgers is playing. But meaning I I would bet Green Bay on that line, I think. So you, you guys have score Green predictions for this win? game? So that I mean, I was gonna follow up. I mean, if you're betting Green Bay's line, I feel like you're saying they're gonna win. Yeah, probably. Um, my score prediction: twenty-seven twenty, Green Bay. I think the Seahawks are gonna win, and Russell Wilson's gonna light the world on fire. He's gonna be in that Lambo kitchen cooking, and I think we're gonna win. 38 to 27. Whoa. Wow. Boom. Russ comes off the, off the, uh, what do they call it? I, IR, IL? IR. 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 Yeah. Comes off the IR and leads us to 38 points. Sam is predicting. Yep. I have a similar prediction, uh, but a little less 30, 27 Seahawks in overtime. All right. Well, you're to hear folks. Cause like, I've been like basically over a gajillion in my predictions this year. So <laughs> I'm the only one predicting us to lose. So Seahawks probably going to win on, on Sunday. And that'd be, that'd be obviously a, a huge win and a huge momentum um, shifter for the Hawks going into the rest of the season. I think you beat green Bay and green Bay and Rogers plays. This team could honestly beat anyone in in a given week, which is the NFL. Like you could say that about any team, but there's different levels to that. And the Seahawks honestly have the talent to make a run if if they can put it together. So we'll see what happens. It all starts on Sunday at Green Bay in Lambeau Field, historic Lambeau Field, 1.25 p.m. on CBS. So be sure to tune into that, folks. We have a team... 
Well, the, I guess here we go. Here, here's the transition. Well, the Seahawks are trying to fight for playoff position. We do have another Seattle-based team in the playoffs right now. And, or I guess they start what in a couple weeks, Justin? Yeah, in, up on, weeks. on the 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. So uh the Sounders and really limped into the into the playoffs with with kind of their final stretch of the season. I don't think I think they were winless in six games, their last six matches. Oh three and three, I believe, was was the record that they had in their last six matches. So mm-hmm. three points from six matches, not exactly what you would expect from a Sounders team. Did struggle with a lot of injuries in, in, during that time period, um, and seemed to be at least getting somewhat healthy for the playoffs. Um, but nonetheless, they they do lose out on that number one seed. They fell one point short of the top conference spot, so they do not get that first round by number two seed but they've done it from the number two seed before haven't they justin they have they have and i mean it's amazing that the mariners of mariners ha, the sounders <laughs> oh that's, that's, that's ironic given the statement i was about to say it's amazing of the sounders success and they've made the playoffs every year since their inception in that's 2009 true. and they've expanded the playoffs since then and the the sounders have still been a top four team every year since 2019 2009 which is pretty incredible uh yeah. given given the success and the parity that the mls has so pretty cool to see yes they limped into the playoffs they're in the second seed but you still have to like their odds they're having an international break they're going to collect their thoughts they're going to get some players back and etc and hopefully they hit the playoffs running and they face a real salt lake team that got in the playoffs in the 95th minute on their game barely squeaking in and so it's a team that has nothing to lose and those some those teams have are sometimes very dangerous and if i'm not mistaken this is just a knockout match right they don't have home and home anymore in the no, playoffs this, one round. the mls got rid of that and i i'm not a super big fan of that because then you have a lot more upset i get it from the casual perspective but a lot of times you don't have the best team winning but yeah it's uh it's it's one game right so if you're tied you have extra time and penalties and all that and so that plays into lineup decisions and how you structure your squad and do you play you know does Real Salt Lake try to play in for extra time to get to penalties to have a better shot and how you approach a different team and how cautious you are going forward and et cetera. So it's a totally different game than the regular season. Teams approach it very differently. Yeah, for sure. And you have to feel good about the Sounders playing at home. But let's talk a little bit about this, the the injuries and if if we who we expect to be back for that that playoff game. And Mm -hmm. they were without all three of their designated players against Vancouver in the final match of the season. No Raul Rui Diaz, no Nico Ladero, no Jao Paulo. It does sound like that Raul Rui Diaz should be back. It also sounds like Jao Paulo should be back, but Nico, it sounds like is kind of a question mark. Um, Yeah. How does that, I mean, we, we played without him for the majority of the year. do you still feel pretty good about the team, even if we don't have Nico going into that into that playoff matchup against Real Salt Lake? Yeah, I mean, most of the year we had Jao Paulo and Rui Diaz healthy, and we were the best team in the West. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yes, has it would be amazing to have Nico, but I'm not super worried against Salt Lake if we don't have him. Like, who's the most win. important of those three? 
Mm, Rui Diaz right now. Yeah. I mean, we've had other players up there right now. We're just not scoring or scoring the same, even though we're producing. Right. If you look at expected goals and chances and et cetera, we're, pro- we're producing a lot of goal-worthy chances. We're just not putting the ball in the back of the net. So right. I would say Rui Diaz, but Jao Pal is close. I mean, he's an MVP candidate for a reason. He's been superb this season. And so yeah, he's, he's really held it together, especially with Nico out. He's been the reason why they've been so successful right. with Nico out really. So, I mean, both those players are massively important and it sounds like, like you said, that we're going to have both back. So uh, that, that's a massive boost for the Sounders. Um, the other, the other player that we should touch on, uh, who has re- just recently come back from injury is Jordan Morris. And, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about it, I think on, on, most recent episodes when we've covered Sounders on this podcast is if Jordan Morris would be back this year. And he is, he's finally back. Uh, albeit in more of like a super sub role. Do you expect him to kind of stay in that super sub role in the playoffs? Or do you think that he might push someone to start? It's a good question. Uh, it's hard to know what his fitness will be going later into the playoffs, you know, with two extra, two extra weeks of practice right now going into the the lake, but I don't see them starting him this match. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to want to save him for an impact moment. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's really depends on how the game is going. And so like, say the Sounders have a two or one goal lead. I could see them bringing him on in the 60th minute and being, you know, that counterattacking outlet and that pace um, up with Rui Diaz at the top. If we're tied or behind, I could see, well, behind is all hands on deck, but if it's more of a tied game and, you know, there's the possibility of extra time and penalties and et cetera, I could see them waiting a little bit and for the 75th minute, because then, you know, if you have minutes restrictions or, you know, he has easing into the game, you don't want to overplay him and then have to sub him out in extra time again, if he subs on again. So there's all these things to think about. So all that to say, I think he comes off the bench in this game and makes that impact. And we start with uh, Rui Diaz and probably like a Montero or Roldan up there, something like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. We've been doing score predictions for the last two, uh, last two segments. So we should do a score prediction. I think for this, this match against real salt Lake on the 23rd, 7 30 PM at Lumen field. Justin, let's start with you. Cause you're the, you're the lead. <laughs> as far as Sounders things and soccer things go on this podcast. So the Sounders haven't been in great form. The last time they played Real Salt Lake, we lost 1-0. There was no Jao Paolo in that game. We had lots of possessions. Rui Diaz did play, but didn't get on the score sheet. But again, that was in Salt Lake, right? And MLS home field advantage is apparently a thing, which I still don't understand how it is, but it is. Um, I think the Sounders get it done 2-0. Um, they get to the next round of the playoffs like they almost always do, and that um, we'll see another playoff game for the Sounders. Sam, what's your analysis of this this matchup against Real Salt Lake? Oh, well, you know, Christian Roldan's going to score probably a hat trick, so I'm going 3-0 <laughs> Sounders. USMNT. Christian Roldan called up for the Mexico and Jamaica games. You betcha. He's captain. Which America. are this, this week, right? Yeah. Mexico Mexico's on game Friday. Friday. Whew. Big game guys. Big game. Looking forward to that one. Looking forward to that one for sure. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling a Sounders victory for sure. Uh, they just they never really get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. So, um, I think they're going to be fired up. I think the crowd's going to be fired up, and they cruise to a three-one, three-one victory. I think they give up one, but they they're comfortable throughout. I think they score an early goal and get Real Salt Lake kind of uh, coming ahead and maybe maybe get a second. Uh, and then I think the the second half maybe is kind of a one 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 draw, but we end up coming out on on top three to one, and we advance to, in the playoffs probably to play Sporting Kansas City, winner of Sporting Kansas City and Vancouver I think is who we would we would get right. Yeah, the three six matchup. That's right. Yeah, so we'll see we'll see what happens in in that matchup too. But hopefully the Sounders pull it off and they move on in the playoffs. Like we would, we would expect them to. And, you know, they, they should, they should really be competing for another MLS cup. They have the talent on the squad to do it. They're getting healthy at the right time. They definitely don't have the form I would say, but anything can change in, in one or two matches. And I would expect with that, with health um, becoming a little bit better for the Sounders that, that things could get better in a hurry for, for the team. Uh, on the other hand, <laughs> we move on to our hockey team. Not, we expect the Sounders to score a lot of goals, but the Kraken have not been scoring very many goal, goals and honestly giving up a lot of goals. And that's not really what we expected from this Kraken team that was built on defense. Last place in the Pacific Division through, where are we at? Like 11 games? 14 games or something like that into the season. Yeah. So it has not been good. It has not been good. Um, it's obviously been super fun to watch like a new, new sport. Sam, what are your like takeaways from this, these, this first stretch of the season where the Kraken have really struggled, I think with any kind of consistency more than anything, they look really, really good for, for a game. And it looks like they're kind of putting it all together and then suddenly they'll just fall flat again um, the, ne the next game. So it, what do you attribute that to? Like, what have you enjoyed so far of this season? And what do you think lies ahead for, for this Kraken team as, as we look forward in this season? Yeah, I mean, I guess my first thought is just to completely disparage Root Sports because I hate them and they suck. Yeah. I can't watch yeah. any of the games. It's like I even will – download some streaming services or subscribe to streaming streaming services to try to get root sports and watch these games. And then they black it out. So it's like, I don't even know how to watch it if you don't have cable service. So first of all, that's my biggest gripe. Fubo TV is the only way. But even then it's blacked out. Really? That's what's happened to me. Cause I did the Fubo or Fubo TV free trial free trial and it was blacked out they black out the sounders games oh you know you tried to watch the this last game against the vegas golden knights huh yeah that one was only on espn plus that that's an nhl thing that's not a root uh, sports thing anyways i still don't like root sports but i get it beside the point doing the best that i can to follow the team by reading recaps and and whatnot it's, it's not really a surprise to me. I mean, I think that was really the main narrative coming away from the expansion draft was, you know, Ron Francis has had a history of putting together teams building from the gold 
goalkeeper forward and it was a defensive focused um, conservative draft. I'd say we didn't really go after mm-hmm. any tried and, and true goal scorers. And I think we're seeing that kind of manifest in some of the struggles that we've had early in the season. We don't really have a go-to goal scorer that I think makes things happen on a consistent basis. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a brand new franchise. I don't think that anybody should have expected us to come out and light the world on fire, but it does seem like it's, it's a fun team to watch. I think it's just exciting to have a hockey team in general. Obviously you'd like to see some more success along the way, but I don't know if I'm trying to call out individuals. I think Brandon Tanev has had a better start to the season than people probably expected. I mean, he's sitting at eight points right now, six goals, two assists is a pretty good place. Jordan Eberle's been able to do some good things. He's got seven in the net, two assists for a total of nine points. So I don't know. It's just, it's hard to tell at this point, like if somebody's going to emerge, I mean, Yanni Gord hasn't been as solid as I, I thought that he would be a bit more of a star power than he has been so far this Mm -hmm. season but he's still contributing. And I know that he's obviously not, wasn't with the team for probably the first what month or so. Um, But yeah, I think they're still trying to find their way as a team. I'm sure Hackstall's trying to figure out rotations and shifts a bit, but um, I don't know, more than anything, just frustrated that I haven't been able to like watch the games consistently. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Justin, do you have any thoughts on the Kraken? Not much to add. I mean, the root sports thing is huge, but I do have ESPN Plus with VPN, so that's where working out okay. Um, yes. You know, it's not the best start. I mean, we've had a ton of road games, right? We've had eight road games to our five. We're three and two in our home games. So hopefully as things level out, the Kraken get a little better and start to find a groove. Um, yes, they're at the bottom of our division, but you know losing to arizona was tough but they haven't been that terrible um they've been pretty bad on power plays up until the last game against vegas so we'll see how their offense can gel and improve but i'm just excited that we have a team and that we're finding chemistry and we're finding players that have all playing together for the first time and gelling under a new coach and new system as well for all these guys so i think it'll get a little better but i'm just enjoying the season yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with any of that. I think it's just hockey's fun, man. It's really fun to watch and it's fun to have a team at, at the highest level in the NHL uh, to cheer for and, and to watch watch on a you know weekly basis. Um, as far as my thoughts on the actual team, it's nice to see Everly coming on uh, recently. He's he's finally starting to score score some goals. He's he was definitely snake bitten to start the year. He was really having a hard time putting in the back of the net. Tanev was kind of the the guy that was off to the hot start for the for the team, and he's super fun. Obviously, probably my favorite player just because of his energy level. Um, Grubauer, I think, has been very up and down, pretty inconsistent. But we've also played him a lot more than we probably anticipated. With Drieger being on the uh, injured list for uh, a good ten to fifteen days. Yeah. So um, I don't think that helped their situation. They also started on the road for five games in eight days. And that was, I think, a really, really tough start. 
Um, and they're obviously just a new team, right? And all these players are new to each other. So I think like you both have mentioned that it's just a chemistry thing. And especially on that defensive side of the puck that it's, it's been tough for them to uh, put, put good games together consistently on the defensive, on the de- defensive end um, really on both ends though. So we'll see, we'll see how, how the rest of this season plays out, but I have hope that they'll, they'll start to turn it around. I don't know if we're looking at a playoff team at this point They're I mean, they're pretty far back in the standings already, but it's super early. Uh, we're what, 13 games into this season. Um, there's 82. So there's still, still a ton of time and still a lot of, a lot of hockey to be played, but hopefully they can, they can start turning it around. And I know that they have a game against what the tomorrow at home against the ducks, I think. They have they have like a six yeah. game home stretch I think coming up here, which should hopefully you know be a nice landing spot for them to start to get some get some chemistry and rattle off some victories. I myself am going to the game on the seventeenth against the Blackhawks. That'll be my first time in Climate Pledge Arena. Um, so it, first time experiencing the new arena, first time seeing an NHL game live. I've never seen an NHL game live, so I'm super excited for that. I will be attending it with a Blackhawks fan. So I will be with someone that actually knows hockey. Um, might and, be, might I, um, and might I add, if there yeah. is a team out there that's off to a worse start than the Kraken, it's definitely the Blackhawks. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. They've been pretty bad. I On mean, and off the ice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see how those two teams play. But I mean, the Blackhawks are one of the one of the original teams in the NHL and obviously have a long-standing tradition and usually a pretty successful franchise for the most part, but they're off to a rough start this year too. So even the best of them have rough, rough starts to the year. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm a very excited to have an NHL team and I'm, I'm excited to tune into the games. I, I think the novelty will stay here for at least a couple seasons. So even if they're not good for the first couple seasons, like people are just going to be excited to have an NHL team, but hopefully they can turn it around and actually uh, make some noise even this year, this season. Another team that needs to start making some noise and is way overdue to make some noise. Mariners. Last we talked Mariners. I can't even remember. Was it like shortly after the season we might have mentioned them or something like that? I think so, or it was like leading into the final game of the season. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been at least a month for sure that since we've we've talked to the Mariners, which obviously they haven't played in in a month, so I I get it. But same time, there there have been a few headlines since since then, most notably and predictably, Kyle Seeger, his option was declined by the team, so. Um, he is, he is no longer a Mariner and will be seeking out a new team this offseason. This was a weird storyline, though, with how it came out. I don't, I don't think it was obviously a surprise that his option got declined, but the fact that it, he was notified through email, I thought was, at least that's that was the first headline. You peel back the layers, and what I heard is that he wasn't answering any of Jared, Jerry Depoto's phone calls, so they had to reach to him somehow. Yeah. That was through email. Um, so it, I guess given that context, it doesn't look quite as bad, but still it just doesn't look <laughs> very classy of the Mariners to 
let a player know that he's not going to be back officially through through email it just doesn't seem super uh super professional but that's just my opinion yeah i mean think of if you've been at a company for a long time i mean it's yeah. a little more emotional playing sports obviously but you've been at company and they just tell you one day over email yeah we're just not going to pick up your contract you're done see ya nice nice knowing you it's not a great feeling but again no. we don't know the whole we don't know the whole story but yeah for sure it's not a great feeling. yeah and you you have to think with the way that you know they sent him off at the last game of the season was pretty classy so that's you, true i i give the front office the benefit that it benefit of the doubt if they're willing to put that shindig together for Seeger's last game I would have to imagine they put an honest effort to communicate it the right way so I'm not reading into that too much plus we know the context that Seeger and DePoto don't see eye to eye they don't like each other (laughs) that's been pretty obvious so would have put it past Seeger just like blocking his phone you know? Yeah, I completely <laughs> yeah, believe totally. that story that he wasn't picking up the phone to answer Jerry's Jerry's phone calls. So um, another player, Yusei Kikuchi, uh, we had an option on him for a team option, which it became pretty obvious that we weren't going to exercise that. Right. He also had a player option, though, for 13 million, and he surprisingly declined that. So he is a free agent as well. It'll be really interesting to see if he can get 13 million out on the open market. I'd be surprised. Um, yeah, that was that he, was he really, really struggled. What it sounded like from his agent is this was more about that it didn't sound like you say was really in the Mariners' plans for him to be a starter this next year. Like he might have been like a long relief guy and he wants a starting pitching option. So it might have been more about yeah. that. I think it um, was because I I've read some of those same reports, right? So which, I, I mean, having Kikuchi that makes a little bit more sense, I guess. Move. Yeah, that makes a little bit more sense, but I, I don't think he makes that much money out on the open market either. So interesting Not- decision by Yusei, but he's obviously betting on himself and probably will sign like a one year prove it deal to see if he can get paid next off season and if if he's able to land on it in a, on a team in a in a starting rotation. Uh, if we scope out and look at the entire MLB, Braves won the World Series, and it was over our hated division rival Houston Astros. It kind of feels like the end of an era for, for the Astros a little bit, and they have a lot of turnover on their team, uh, most notably their shortstop Carlos Correa is, uh, is a free agent now and will not be coming back. They just lost George Springer last year. Mm-hmm. So that team's starting to kind of disassemble a bit and uh, could be kind of a turning of the reins in the AL West. Obviously, I think Houston will still be a pretty talented team for the next like year or year or two, but they're a lot of their players are getting up to ar- arbitration or el- eligible for arbitration and eligible to be paid <laughs> well. And they just don't have the, they don't have, they're not one of the big market teams that has the funds that they can just sign everyone. So as a lot of these players that were on a lot of their rookie deals uh, get to eligible for free agency, then it, it's going to be hard for them to keep everyone together. I think Verlander said that he might be giving it another go. I can't remember, but I don't think he's going to be back with the team either. There's a couple others, I, I think. Do you remember anyone else? Kendall Graveman's a free agent. How would <laughs> yeah. that be poetic if we re-signed him? We took. I think Toro that was some of the thinking. 
Yeah, that, I think that was some of the thinking was that that we might be able to re-sign him after the after the season ended, but I don't know. And we'll do we see. Need him? Yeah, you always need bullpen arms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just you know, was he that good at for Houston where you'd want him back and an old reliever versus someone else? I mean, it's really I think on the runners. yeah, I think if you get him on the right deal, he was fantastic for us, and I think just with the way all that went down in the player reactions. Like I think he, he was somebody that means a lot to the clubhouse. And I don't think that that would go away on a second stint either. And I just yeah. think it'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. I'm not for the emotional aspect of it. I mean, it was a good trade for the Mariners for sure. And I don't think that's yeah. any question. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I'm not as sold on Graveman as probably you guys are. Because I think Sewald is fine. Yeah, he was fine. I think I I'm wondering if that was a flash in the pan for him. Like he doesn't he doesn't he's not your typical reliever, like or or shutdown reliever, I should say, with like a plus fastball. I mean, he's throwing like low nineties. He's got a he's got a really good slider, but yeah. I, I mean, I I'm not completely sold on Seawald much in the same way that you're probably not sold on Graveman. I, I just think Graveman has more elite stuff as far as just pitches. I mean, that was the only year Graveman's shown elite stuff though. From a relief from being a reliever. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he just recently became a reliever, like within the last couple of seasons, he was a starter before that. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, when, when you see that usually the, the fastball, ticks up a bit because they can obviously throw harder because they're only throwing an inning or two and you'll see them probably get like one wipeout pitch and it'll get a little bit dirtier if if they're in a relief appearance rather than a starting appearance because they can throw it a little bit harder as well so um i think it's just it's two completely different positions even though you're still pitching it just there the, the approach is completely different is, is all i'm trying to say i guess yeah and great i mean graveman was really really good for the mariners last year yeah but i think it's going to be i mean we talk about the houston astros likely the end of an era there and losing a lot of mm-hmm. the key faces to the franchise and i think if you're a mariners fan you're you're hoping that we are on the cusp of a Houston Astros type run with the farm system coming to fruition in guys like obviously Kellenic, hopefully Kyle Lewis comes back healthy. Julio Rodriguez is still lighting it on fire. So is he going to be up in 2022? Logan Gilbert, Emerson Hancock, George Kirby, Cal Raleigh, And so you've got this young nucleus of extremely talented players that are all relatively cheap. And then we're expected to be some big time spenders this off season. So let's talk about that. Like what are some positions of need out there for the Mariners? And I mean, there's a lot of big names on the market. So it could be very exciting time if, the Mariners are finally going to open up the checkbook and, and sign some big boys. Yeah. Jerry wasn't shy about it at all. And he was speaking to the media most recently too. He, he said that he's got the green light to spend and they plan on being in on, on some very splashy deals this off season. So um, first time, I think that Jerry's really going to be able to be really aggressive in free agency 
um, since this rebuild, obviously. So it, I mean, this is, this is the, this is the moment that the Mariners have been waiting for and Mar Mariners fans have been waiting for is this moment right here. This off season is huge for Jerry and yeah. for this team. And they're expected to compete in 2022 because of where all of these players that this, this rebuild is at and where uh, all of these uh, young players are at in their development. When you got Jared Kelnick in the big leagues, Julio's right on the cusp of being in the big leagues. You obviously saw Logan Gilbert last year. George Kirby's right on the cusp, cusp of the big leagues. You got a ton of talent that's like right there. And you just need the pieces to fill in around them and, and the veterans to fill in around them to uh, really make a competitive ball club. Uh, like, like Sam said, there's a bunch of sexy free agents this year and um, some, some, some talent kind of everywhere, I would say. And uh, Justin, what positions are you looking at for the Mariners to address through free agency? And who are some names at some of those positions that, that you would list off and be interested in signing? Yeah, so um, mainly because of lack of production or player departures, I think looking at an ace or starting pitcher would be super nice for this ball club. Yep. And so you have players out there. I mean, lots of players. I think the, uh, the, the player that I think could be realistic and you have on your list as well is Marcus Stroman, who we know from the athletics has been on the blue Jays as well. Um, had a decent year last year. I think that's a player to keep an eye on. And there's a lot of rumors around that as well. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sold on Stroman as a player. Like I'm not like, you know, hundred percent all in on him. I think just getting in, going after an ACE and addressing the starting pitching position is really important for us. And then looking at, you know, infield, right. We have Abraham Toro now, and he's probably going to play third base. You would think and Dylan Moore or Dylan Moore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Dylan Morris. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's all F right now. Uh, second, you would think Ty France is going to play first likely. Yeah. Right? I mean, over Evan White. And yeah. so, he played. He played a really good first base. I was really surprised, actually, with how he mm -hmm. how he performed in the field. And so I guess it you know it depends if you're if you're excited about that infield or you'd want to switch it around. Um, if you're excited about JP Crawford, if you think you can upgrade that position, and there's some players out there. Obviously, you mentioned Carlos Correa. I don't think we would get Carlos. I feel like he would go to a like a Dodgers or a Yankees type of team. Corey Seager. There's no way in hell he's coming here. Yeah. No, there's just no, no way. No chance. Uh, so I look at Marcus Simeon, right? I mean, he hit a shit ton of home runs last year. I don't think he would, the safe go curse would hit him a little bit. So he's not going to hit 45, but can you get that power and address the shortstop position and round that out um, and have that addition to your lineup that JP doesn't necessarily provide? So I would look for that as well. Um, so, the, but that would be my second, uh, second ask over starting pitching. Yeah. And I would say, I would say continuing on the infield, I think if we get Marcus Simeon, I think you're playing JP Crawford and Marcus. And I think if, if I'm looking at the infield, the position that I want to upgrade the most is getting Dylan Moore out of there. Yeah. That's and so true. whether JP plays second or Marcus plays second, I think they both have versatility there. JP um, would play second, by the way. That would be my guess. Or yeah. sorry, J JP would play short. Sorry, JP would play short. And Marcus would play second. Yep. JP Do I, I don't know at all, but like, is Marcus open to switching positions? I think he's played he, both. 
Yeah, probably. I think, I think, yeah, I think that would be fine with him. Cause yeah, I'm looking at a list right now that lists him as a second baseman, but then I, another list I was looking at listed Marcus as a shortstop. Oh, perfect. Yeah. He put, he might've played so I think he, second when he was uh, yeah. with the athletics, like earlier in his career. Cool. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think right now, if you're looking at the off season, we hit it, Justin, you hit the nail on the head there. I think the two needs that have to be addressed is, shoring up the infield. And I think that's open to interpretation a little bit on what that actually looks like with potentially shuffling some people around. Um, you know, I could even see a world where you go out and try to get a first baseman or a third baseman. Maybe they don't feel great about Toro at third base and you go for like a Chris Bryant or something crazy. So I think they'll address the infield in some capacity. I think it makes the most sense to go get a second baseman personally. Um, and then with Yusei Kikuchi declining the player option, I think we need not only one, but probably two starting pitchers. And I think Marcus Stroman is someone at the top of my list. But I also think another intriguing one is, what's his name? Chris Gray, John Gray from he's the White Sox, right? Yeah, I, th I think he's think like an under-the-radar guy. He's 30 years old, 2.7 war. Um, you know, I'm not going to – I don't really want to go chasing Max Scherzer at 37 years of age. With the Rockies. Oh, with the Rockies. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I want to go with any of those big-name older guys like Scherzer, Kershaw's available – Grinky's available going down the list. Who else is in here? That, you know, who knows what the deal is with Paxton. Um, but I guess another, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez is there. Carlos Rodon. Um, there's a lot of very quality starting pitchers. Michael Pineda is another interesting name. I know he's 33, but he's been playing a lot better. Pineda, that's a name I haven't thought about. Could in come a while. back around. So it'll be interesting. I think there's there's a lot of quality starting pitchers on the market. I would rather us be smart and go for you know casting a wider net and getting quantity over you know ride or die on a massive contract with one person. Um, and then not necessarily a need, but more in the want category is probably another quality outfielder, potentially a true center fielder. Kyle Lewis has just been so unreliable the last two years with injuries. Kellenic isn't really a true center fielder. He's probably, you know, his, his future's at left field. So I haven't done a ton of homework in the outfield there, but you know, Another interesting name are some of these like utility guys. Kyle Schwarber is, you know, older guy, but he's somebody that can help you in the infield at first base. He could help you in the outfield here and there. Obviously he's kind of put on a little weight and isn't probably the athlete he once was, but he could probably still get it done for a, a couple of games here and there in the outfield. So those are kind of the three areas that I'm, I'm looking for the Mariners to go after this offseason. But more than anything, I'm just hoping that we put the business side of things away for an offseason and really just open up the checkbook and make an aggressive plan to put a 
playoff contending team together in 2022. Cause I think we have a young talented nucleus and you bring in a couple of, you know, proven vets at, at positions of need of upgrades in 2022 could be really special, especially considering, you know, the King of the, the division, the Astros, I think could potentially fall off of a cliff next year. So our division's open and I think we're in a really good spot and you just hate to see an opportunity of free agency this off season pass us by. Yeah, I don't think it will. Another name to add to the list. You were talking about outfielders, Sam, Mark Canna is a really interesting name. And I think he's been linked to the Mariners. Yeah. A few reports this, this off season, albeit brief so far. Um, and he's, he's 33, but he's, he's he can, do both outfield and he can DH a bit for you as well. Um, he can split time there with either Hanniger or if Kyle Lewis is healthy, I don't think he's going to really probably be in the field every day. He might DH a bit. Yeah. Luis Trenz is obviously still on the team. He was a, a, a DH for you last year. But if you really want to fulfill the DH, you know who else is a free agent is Nelson Cruz at the age of 41. Woo! Nelly. <laughs> Bring him home. Bring him home. You know who else that you know the other uh, the other position that they honestly need is uh, um, backup catcher as well to Cal Raleigh. Mm. So yeah. they're going to yeah. need to address that as well, and they don't need to spend a lot of money there. Um, but it, it'll probably be. It, I mean, they'll they'll that backup catcher will need to play more than a typical backup catcher because I don't know if Cal Cal really struggled at the plate this last year and. He probably will again this year that yeah. you're probably going to have to sit him for like a few days in a row if he really starts struggling. So you need someone dependable there. Jan Gomes is an interesting name at 30. He's 34. You might have to pay a little bit too much for him, but someone like that who's just experienced and has a little bit of offensive um, potential would, would be nice to kind of solidify that, that backstop role. Yeah. You know what name just popped up that I think, you open up the checkbook and pay anything for at this point because he is a must-have. Hmm. He needs to be in a Seattle Mariners uniform next year. Jock, Jock Peterson. <laughs> and here's why. Because he's won the last two World Series? Yes. <laughs> Dodgers, Braves, Mariners. Keep it rolling, Jock. We need you. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I was going to say Michael Conforto because isn't he a local kid? He's been yeah. on the Mets for a long time. Yeah, I forget. It's another outfield, another outfield name. I forget which no. high school he went to, but I think he went to Oregon State, I believe. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, local guy. When I was in Atlanta, there's so many people that bought into the Jock Peterson hype, and they're wearing all the Jocktober shirts and all the Atlanta oh, colors. Really? It was they had I the chains it. on, like they were loving some Jock Peterson in Atlanta. We need that in the PN dub. So I'd totally be on all, all on his jock if he came to Seattle. So oh, first time he's ever heard that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm super, I'm super creative, man. I came up with that all by myself. You're super jocked up about it. Super jocked up about it. <laughs> so jocked up. Um he went uh, Conforto went to Redmond High School. So in case you were gotcha. Curious. So yeah, definitely a local kid from the east side. Yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting. Any other thoughts on on 
on Mariners and where they take this offseason. I think we'll find out a lot about their plans this offseason, I think, in the next couple of weeks as we approach the winter meetings. So um, the, the thing that I'm really hoping <laughs> is that we don't actually have a lockout That's season. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously it's a new CBA um, that they have to agree upon. And the players union for baseball has always been pretty ruthless. Like they've, they've negotiated some really good deals for the players. So I hope that this doesn't get strung out too much and that they can come to an agreement so that everything's on time, but that is out there and there's a potential that we could have a delayed season if, if the two sides cannot come to an agreement this off season. So that'll be a storyline to watch as well. Um, come the winter meetings and, and the rest of this off season. Anything else to touch on tonight, boys? We got a pretty full menu, but I think we, I think we got through it and it wasn't too bad. That was what hour 20 hour 30 or so. So yeah. not, not too bad, not too shabby. Stay tuned for the next episode, 50th yeah. episode, and we're going to go deep into the next steps for Husky football. It's going to be juicy. It is going to be juicy. We'll all do our research. We'll, we'll all bring some, some good names and some good, good thoughts to the table. And uh, we got to get Husky football back on track, man. We yeah, I mean, we'll be, we'll be track. feeling good after the win over Arizona State, too. <laughs> I mean, I would feel good about it if it happens for damn sure. I will take any win now. I mean, there's, usually as a Husky fan, that's not where my head's at. Like, but a win is a win right now, and I'll I'll take it. So hopefully, hopefully the dogs can get it done on Saturday against Arizona State. It's a, it's tough being a Seattle sports fan right now, man. We don't have a lot going for us right now. It's it's especially Sounders. tough because Sounders. Okay, Sounders. You're right. But they, I mean, they've been struggling too, is what I'm saying. Like yeah, every, they, like every team has been struggling as of late, and it's just been, yeah. it's been tough. And I mean, we just turn back the clock. It's dark outside, like all the time now. It's just, these are the months, man. These are the months where we need something to hold on to, and we got nothing right now. So, hopefully, hey man, the dogs you're going can pull to a cracking game. You, I am. Win or lose, that's something to look forward to. Oh yeah, for sure. And we failed to mention Jordan Everly scored the first hat trick in in Kraken yeah. history. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Nick was at that game. Nick, you probably listened to the podcast, so shout out to you. He said that it was the best sporting event he's ever attended live. Wow! Wow! Did he throw something. his hat on the on the ice? No, I don't think he. Yeah, no, I think he cares too much about the Kraken hat that he has. Oh my okay, god. Okay, here's the question. That's why end. we're not here's... winning any damn games. So man. to end the podcast, this is like yeah. would you throw your hat onto the ice if someone scored a hat trick? All round uh round. how much was the hat? 20 bucks. Yeah, probably. Sam. Do you not get it back? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I don't think you get it back. No, I mean, no. it would have to Where be. Where do a they all go? Where do they all go? Like, nobody's gonna wear my grimy ass hat. Yeah, like your hat. You're maybe they collect them all, and like you can you can go to like the lost and found after the game or something. I don't know, but I want somebody that's actually been to hockey games and thrown their hat on the ice. Is did you ever get a hat back? How does it work? Yeah, let us know on the anchor link, guys. Uh, So I'm looking up quickly, and it says usually the player has choice over the hats. 
um, and can keep certain ones. And then some teams, oh. the fans retrieve them after in the lost and found or an unofficial lost and found. So I think it I depends think on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So well, Sam, you that's wearing your. It's kind of cool that the player gets to decide which hat they want though, after they score a hat trick. I think it's probably team dependent, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I like so that Sa- though. So Sam, you're going out and you're not wearing your grimy at home hat. You're wearing your nice going at going out to see the Kraken game hat. Are you throwing that hat on the ice? Well, I only have one kind of hat and that's got blood, sweat, and tears on it. And yeah, if I'm going to go to the lost and found afterwards, I'm for sure throwing it because nobody's claiming my hats. They're nasty. (laughs) I mean, every day I fight the fight. Caroline's trying to throw them out, put them in the wash. They get all ruined. I'm like, no, that's character on my hat. You can't be (laughs) washing that off. It's what makes it my hat. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think I would for sure do it my first time. Justin, would you? Leaning no. Because if I'm going to a Kraken game, I'm wearing my Kraken hat with the anchor logo. And I just don't want to buy like I already have one. I don't want to buy another one. I'm cheap. So I'm leaning no. Go to lost and found. Well, who knows? It, you know, are am I guaranteed that it's at the lost and found? If it's a normal no. like anchor Kraken hat, then probably. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Leaning no. Here's right. my other here's my other follow-up question for any other hockey fans that are listening. And actually, Nick is probably in a spot to answer this one. Mm-hmm. If you're at a game where a hat track where a hat trick is scored and you don't throw your hat on the ice, are you catching side eyes on the way out? like oh the stigma yeah is there a stigma to it it depends how many throw their hat on the ice i think like it did it honestly didn't look like a bunch of people threw their hat on the ice at the kraken game that's probably because we just don't even know what to do yeah (laughs) everybody's like whoa 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 why is this guy well no but i've seen i've seen a hat trick up at angel of the winds arena in everett with the tips and everyone threw their hat i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't have a hat on but like everyone threw their hat yeah that, sounds like hat. some fan iq going on there yeah, maybe you just don't wear a hat is is the name of the game you could do that i don't know i'd probably wear a hat though <laughs> anyways all right <laughs> we're off subject again look at us All right. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Sounders, go Kraken, go Nurs, go Hawks, and go Dogs.